one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Darren Lehman. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast, and on today's episode, we preview Australia's Qantas tour of South Africa, starting with the first test in Durban. Here to get through all that and take part in a special edition of Play It or Leave It, our returning champs, Callum Kananewick and Andre the Doc Major. Welcome back, gents. Thank you very much, Sam. Good to be here. Thank you for bringing back my second episode. I didn't think I'd be here. Yes, well, we actually had a couple of people in the Cricket Australia hierarchy to uh, mute some of the stuff that you've been saying in the last episode. So I'm sure He's been muzzled. Up. He's been muzzled. The doc's been muzzled. So there is an uncut version of your podcast. Yeah, there's plenty on the uh, cutting room floor, that's for sure, doc. I'm going to start by going through the Australian. Steve Smith has named an unchanged 11 from the side that crushed England by an innings in the fifth test of the Ashes. Uh, Calm, no real surprises there. No, that's the thing. Um, it's been quite a smooth preparation for the Australians. I think ever since they named that test squad way back when, there weren't really any doubts as to what that 11 would be for the first test. Been no injury concerns over here, and they've just kind of been able to go about their business and, and prepare for that first test, which is quite unusual, really, for a test series. There's usually a lot of conjecture about who will make the team, and there's injury niggles here and there, but there's really been none of that for the Australians this time around. No, I think the only player that was under a little bit of a, a form cloud, I guess, was Cameron Bancroft, but he had two solid knocks, and Benoni batted a lot of time, didn't score a whole lot of runs, and was a little bit unlucky in that first innings with the dismissal, strangled down the leg side, but he's going to reunite with Dave Warner, who looks like a million bucks coming back uh, over from New Zealand after leading Australia to that T20 Tri-Series glory. Doc, you filmed a lot of Dave Warner since he's been here, and he's looked like he's been hitting the middle pretty well. Very, very vocal. So Nathan hit it, uh, the nail on the head when he said he was the Energizer Bunny, and he got in the nets and started saying things like, No! Yes! Wait on! He just went on and on and on, and he was giving advice uh, to the... He's co-batsman in the nets, and it was quite entertaining. Callum, he had a bumper series here four years ago, more than 500 runs, part of the series, 300s, two in the final test at Cape Town. He's going to be a, a big player for Australia. They're going to get off to a good start against a very potent new ball attack. Yeah, he's going to be massive for the Australians, no doubt, at the top of the order. As you mentioned, that massive series four years ago, and he had quite an interesting summer um, during the Ashes where you look at his stats and you think he had a great series, but you're sort of watching on and probably digging a bit deeper and he probably wasn't quite as dominant as uh, Australia would have hoped. And, I mean, they didn't really need him in the end, given they won 4-0, but um, he's probably not coming off his best summer. Um, for the most part, his record away from home isn't great, but as you said, I think he'll take a lot of confidence from that series four years ago. And uh, as the doctors mentioned, he's come over here and he is just ready to go. He's been so vocal in the airs. He's been hitting everything out of the middle. He was launching net bowlers out here in the middle in Durban yesterday up into the stands and you know, people trying to do their jobs trying to get ready for this first test and they're ducking yeah. for cover. That's right. And I think the other thing that 
One thing I noticed is that he's down feeling at third slip and he's spent a lot of time in the past couple of seasons down a mid-off as Australia's chief ball shiner and also communicating the messages from Steve Smith and the keeper to the bowlers. But now he's back in third slip and he's been taking everything. Doc, you've, got, you've filmed a lot of David Warner in the slips court and he's just had uh, Velcro hands. Yeah, he's got Velcro hands. He's also like a spring. So when the ball goes high, he can leap higher than Mitchell Stark. He just goes whoop. And he takes classic catches. And sometimes he gets up at about himself. And sometimes he just gets up like stealth mode and does the blue steel look. Looks back at everybody <laughs> and just goes, hey, did you see that? He's a very talented catcher. So is Steve Smith, who's been setting a second slip. We spoke to him on match eve. He just seems so relaxed. He had those two weeks off, which he said was extremely beneficial after a long summer. And he was fried, essentially, after the grueling ashes and then those 5-1 days. Cow, what are you expecting from Steve Smith? Can, he, can this unbelievable purple patch, which has seemed to have gone for a couple of seasons now, continue? Well, I mean, on the one hand, you say it can't possibly continue because it's almost unprecedented, certainly in our time watching cricket. And then on the other hand, you can't just you can't seem to find a way as to how it can stop. Like, how does South Africa possibly stop him? They've got such a potent bowling attack in their own right, but it's going to be so fascinating to see what bowling plans they do come up with, you know, who they bring on straight away, how they try and counter him, do they try and stop him scoring? We heard Faf kind of mention that today as a way to possibly stop Steve Smith, try and slow the innings down that way, but um, you just can't really see how they're going to do it, just based no. on what we've seen the past couple of years. It's very difficult to see, and I think that the most unique thing about Steve Smith, apart from his technique, is that how he, how he changes his technique and his approach to different bowlers. No stance is the same. He's like a snowflake out there. Every time he faces a different ball, he's got a different stance, a different way he lines up to certain bowlers. Uh, and against this fast bowling attack that South Africa possess, and Keshav Maharaj, who's uh, got a pretty good test record after 15 or so games, that's going to be key for him. Well, that's right. You mentioned how he, he changes from ball to ball. Watching out there yesterday at their centre wicket session, he was coming up against someone like Pat Cummins, and you know he might I think he played and missed at one, or he, he copped one on the inner thigh. And then the next ball he faced was just totally different to what he'd done the, before. It was more profound, back and across, really covering his stumps. Um, sort of giving himself that little bit of extra time and he's just so so adaptable which is something that obviously Australia worked on given they want to win more away from home and um, you know he, he's just incredible to watch because you're right he, he keeps the bowler guessing and he gives them really nothing to work with. Two of the breakout stars in the Magellan Ashes were the Marsh Brothers, Sean we've known for a long time but there was the best he was batted perhaps ever uh, and then Mitchell Marsh those 200s a big one at, the, at Perth um, fantastic how important are they going to be given that they've got limited experience of it although Sean has played here in a couple of test matches in fact his Centurion 100 four years ago was one of the best 100s I've ever seen live he just looked unstoppable that game but for those two Marsh brothers at 5 and 6 if Australia do lose early wickets against this uh, South African attack they're going to need to stick around and, and bat long periods of time I think they both enter a series probably for the first time in a really comfortable spot in yeah, terms of they know that yeah. they're going to play, um, which hasn't always been the case for sure. And especially for someone like Mitch, who, as you mentioned, had a really breakout Ashes series. He comes over here full of confidence. He looked incredible in that tour match. Um, he didn't make a big score, but just just the power behind some of his shots. And he's bowling as fast as ever. As fast as ever, That's yes. What he, they're his words. Yeah, they are. But um, <laughs> based on what we saw in that tour match, he's probably not far off, really. Um, we all know he had that shoulder issue early last year, but 
he's sending them down really well. Uh, Sean, you know, you can talk about what net form really means all you like, but he's looked phenomenal over here in the nets, creaming everything. And he's that calming presence, though, isn't he? he the, the number of innings, I think Ricky Ponty said he's the most underrated player or, uh, in the Ashes, and some of those innings that he produced, 100 in Adelaide, a couple of other vital half centuries, kept the innings together to put those totals on the board that England couldn't reach. Well, that's right. I think the thing we have to factor in over here is that the, the Proteus bowlers are going to present more of a challenge than England did. So, as you mentioned, if they do lose early wickets, can those two guys in the middle order uh, withstand that challenge? You know the Proteus are going to be absolutely all over them because they know probably their history and um, that pressure can mount quickly uh, as soon as teams start losing. So that's going to be another intriguing little battle within a battle, if you like. And um, But as you say, like... They come in in such a good spot mentally, and I think that's the key thing for them. They're confident in what they can do, and especially for someone like Sean, who's now all of a sudden at the sort of latter stage of his career, I suppose, just because of his age. He's just he's really got nothing to lose. He can just do what he likes, I think. Now, the big focus on this series, before a bowl has even been bowled, has been the quality of the pace attacks from both sides. The best thing going for the Australians right now is that they're all fit. Uh, Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins got through the tour match. Uh, they've bowled, I think, on six of the eight days they've been here, six of the nine days now. They didn't, they didn't bowl on match eve, uh, which is what normally happens for the fast bowlers on both sides. Uh, they look quick. They look fresh. They look hungry. Uh, I just, you, When you think who's going to be the best of the three of them, you, it's, hard to, it's hard to pinpoint one, isn't it? Because they offer so much different. And you go, oh, well, Mitchell Stark is going to be the bowler of the series. But then you forget, you know, Josh Hazelwood's going to be pinpoint accurate the whole time and then Pat Cummins is going to be bowling those bounces each day that we've watched them bowl over here you sort of you have a look afterwards and you say oh who do you think was the pick of the bowls I reckon we've had a different bowler each day um, as you mentioned they just off, each offer something so different and it's something that's quite incredible about the Proteus attack as well is how diverse their attack is given they're all right armers yeah. yet somehow they manage to you know, challenge a batsman in a certain way. You know, obviously Vernon's a lot slower, or Rabada's kind of that skiddy, really quick pace, and um, Morkel just finds bounce out of nothing. So Australia quite similar in in terms of how they each go after a batsman's weakness. But um, it's going to be so so good to watch just those two attacks go up against each other. I'm really interested to see how Ingidi and Warner face up on the pitch. Thing is, those two are. Very opposite to each other. Yeah. In Giddy, the loveliest guy. He's like Shrek. He's very lovely, smile. Everyone gets along with him. He looks just like a gentle giant. He's huge. It's actually, it takes you back just how big that young man is. He, he, I thought he was like a rugby player when I first saw him, but he, he's about six foot five. It'd be well over 100 kilograms. It also helps when he warms up alongside Temper Bavuma. Yeah. <laughs> adds a bit of context there. That's true. That's true. But you're right, though. I think that would be a fascinating. What if there's some battle. sledging going on and Warner and Ngiddy involved? I don't know how that's going to work out. Who are you backing? Well, Warner, <laughs> by a long way. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know how Ngiddy's going to respond. I, I, think, I think Warner's got a soft heart and he might actually melt. Oh, really? Yeah. Ngiddy's just too much of a nice guy to sledge. <laughs> he can't possibly sledge this guy. I think if Warner was to come back at Ngiddy, I don't think it would be too long before Rabada came in with some words <laughs> of his own. He's a fiery character, and we can't wait to see that one either. And that's the difference between 
England and South Africa is that Warner could have sledged Broad and Anderson and not be worried about a 150-kilometre bullet whizzing around his ears, whereas all these Proteus bowlers can pretty much do that. So he might be uh, might be a little bit tight-lipped this series. The last Australian we haven't mentioned is Nathan Lyon, and the wickets in the India series, the three-test India series, were spicy, very bowler-friendly. Sounds like it's not going to be the same in this four-test series against Australia. Um, we're actually sitting on the northern bank of uh, of Kingsmead Oval right what now. What a lovely bank it is, too. It's fantastic. There's not enough grass hills in more cricket these days. Um, and apparent from all reports and from what the captains are saying, that it's going to be slow and low, a bit of tennis ball bounce, not going to shoot through and move off the seam sideways too much for the fast bowlers. So Nathan Lyon, again, becomes a, a vital cog in this Australian team. And as he has done the past 18 months, basically ever since that 2016 Hobart clear-out when the Proteas won that series, Nathan Lyon retained his spot, and from then he's gone from strength to strength. He's going to be such a vital player for the Australians. I think it's just worth clarifying on the pitch talk too that it was so heartening to hear Steve Smith today say that he has no idea how to read a pitch, he's got, <laughs> no. which I think goes for 90, 95% of the cricket population. Unfortunately, 80% of those, I reckon, try and bluff their way through it. I think most people have no idea what a pitch is going to do. Well, Unless you're a curator and you live and breathe that stuff. Yeah. But you, you look at it as if there's grass on it, doesn't that mean it's yeah. going to move sideways? Well, who knows? Doesn't it? If it seems, it spins. Is that what Warnie always says? Well, if Warnie says it, it must be true. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, but back to your point. Um, you know, it's consistent with Nathan Lyon's whole career that he's sort of going into this series very much unheralded, under the radar. Um, all the talk is about the quicks. Maharaj, much the same. He's going to be a key factor. I'm not sure if Lyon will be the wicket-taking option this series, but I think he'll be he'll play a massive role. Um, those quicks are going to need a break, and Nathan Lyon will, you know, if the wickets aren't turning or there's not much in it for him, he'll still be able to slow the scoring down, or at least that's what he'll be trying to do. And I think that's where he can play a key role. And Maharaj, much the same. Maharaj has got some very good wicket celebrations. He gets fired up. You also like Nathan Lyon's little goose step after a goals, don't you? I don't know if anyone's noticed, but Nathan Lyon has a goose step slash Irish dance jig <laughs> at the end of every second or third ball. Sometimes he'll spin one down and he'll be down on his knees. Sometimes he'll turn around and appeal. But most of the time he does this little flip from one foot to the other with his hands side by side. And it is a bit like Michael Flatley, uh, the Irish dancing uh, sensation. Yep, remember him well. I could possibly stitch all the all the bits together and make a little bit of a dance jig. Having filmed every ball at Benoni, I saw a lot of Irish dancing from Nathan Lyon, and I expect to see a lot more of it over the next four tests. I don't know if anyone's noticed it. I'm not sure. He even knows he's doing a doc. I don't point. think he does. Do you know? What? But he's got a new obsession, much like Steve Smith, doesn't he? The drone. So Smithy, after getting his drone out for the last last few weeks, after every training session, Nathan Lyon got interested and promptly went and bought one himself, exactly the same one, the Mavic Pro, one of the best consumer drones on the market. And so now there's two drones flying around after every training session. Did you know that Steve Smith told us this on Tuesday, that it was a windy day and they were piloting these drones from their balconies and Nathan Lyons went up and got caught in the wind and then it landed on the roof of a building adjacent to the team hotel. He had to go and get it. <laughs> so he got it back. So he got it back, but... Uh, the drone lives. The, the drone lives, but drone I, think on. He, I think he's still on his L-plates with the drones.
Let's move on to the South Africans. They've got a relatively new opening partnership in Aidan Markram and veteran Dean Elgar. They're going to be tested by the new ball. Callum, if there's a lot of focus on Australia's opening partnership, there's going to be plenty on the Proteas. Yeah, we actually asked um, coach Darren Lehman during the week as to whether or not Markram is someone they can kind of target as their probably the vulnerable person in that top order. I mean, obviously they've got Faf, Hashim, De Villiers, all genuine superstars of the game. So, And Algar's become so reliable over the past 12 or so months. So Markram is that young guy at the top of the order. Uh, he was handed the captaincy for the ODI series and that didn't turn out too well for the Proteus. So maybe he's someone they can try and get on top of early and really unsettle because then after that, that middle order's simply awesome. So Australia will probably be looking to Markram as someone they can kind of target up the top. Absolutely. And then when Hashim Amla walks out, Josh Hazel's going to come straight on the bowls. And he five times from five innings in the series in 2016. He spoke about it to us. Yeah, I'm just lucky enough to, to maybe have the wood on him at the moment. Um, you know, had some good success against him in Australia. And hopefully with these conditions pretty similar to those, that, um, you know, I can get, get on top of him again early and, and put that pressure back on him. How much thought do you think Hashim has put into that over the past couple of weeks? Probably not a lot. Well, do you think he? Do you think he would have? I don't know. He's, he seems like the cool, calm type, but surely he's aware of that. And He'll I'm be, not sure how much he can actually do to combat it. But I'm yeah. sure behind the scenes, he's looked at lots of video and he's gone through with his coaches and he's worked out ways to try and not go out the same way he went out. But does that almost start to have a negative impact in that you're thinking about it too yeah, much? Double, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think it was. You know? It's not like he was bowling magic balls to him either in that 2016 series. They're all just good line length deliveries that just nipped off the seam. I mean, to be fair, he got probably got five beauties. There's only one shot in Hobart, which is where South Africa won comfortably. That he didn't move his feet and he got 47. He just wafted his hands at it, but he, you know, he's made a living off that. So if he does do well against Hazelwood, how what effect will that have back on Hazelwood? That's a good question. Well, I think that's the thing. Like Hazelwood in that series, right, was just basically doing what he does. As you say, wasn't doing anything overly special. There weren't massive leg cutters or anything like that. He was just kind of bowling that line of length and, and seeing what he could get through the air or off the deck. So I don't think he would change too much. They kind of just they'll have plans in place in terms of bowling in a certain channel or a certain area and I think they would just stick with that unless something overly dramatic happens that Hashim changes on his end. A B de Villiers is gonna come in at number four, the great A B de Villiers, arguably. Arguably, you could argue this, Callum. He's a batsman of the generation in all formats. He's a fantastic cricketer. A little bit of talk around going, this might be his last big series. You know, more than likely his last test series against Australia. Faf Duplessis spoke on match eve and said that he's really hungry. He's really motivated to do well in this series. And that spells all kinds of doom for the Aussies. Absolutely. During that Indian series, he, he probably showed glimpses more than sort of dominate games. But if he can latch on to a start somehow um, he's just so difficult to stop because you can have all the plans in the world for a guy like De Villiers but as soon as he's on song they almost go out the window and you just sort of start hoping hoping and praying that something goes wrong or he has a has a brain fade uh, if you will. He just doesn't do it. No he doesn't um, and he has a good record against Australia. I think for a lot of these guys you mentioned De Villiers is probably his certainly his last series against Australia, you would think they will be so hell-bent on getting that series win against Australia, which they haven't done for so long. I feel that's like a massive carrot for a lot of these guys. You know, obviously we know it's Morkel's last series for sure. These veterans will be so hungry 
to get this win, I think. Faf is the captain. He's been battling a broken finger. He was tapped up, actually had the pleasure of shaking hands with this skipper today, and he had a, quite a large bandage around that right index finger. He hasn't been trained to his full capacity. Only a couple of throwdowns in the nets. Uh, hasn't been... Hasn't really been favouring that hand when he's been catching balls uh, at practice, uh, but he said he's good to go. How much will that weigh on his mind? He said it's a mental thing he has to get over. But we saw here in 2009, Mitchell Johnson break Graham Smith's hand. I betcha that the Aussies are going to be targeting that finger just like Mitch did uh, to Graham Smith those years ago. Yeah, you'd think the Quicks will be onto it straight away with some short stuff. Uh, we were watching in Faf the other day, his first main training session here before the test. Um, and he's really kind of seemed to be struggling with that leg side play where the bottom hand comes into play. So how the Australians go about that, whether they sort of set up a couple of short mid-wickets to try and target him on his pads and then throw in some short stuff to unsettle him. Yeah, it's, Faf's a seriously tough character. We all know that given what he's done over the past few years and particularly against Australia. He loves getting himself up for these contests. So that's just another little layer in there that, you know, we have to keep an eye out for because he's going to be so crucial to their success as their leader. And how much do you think the Aussies are going to remind him of what went down last time with the mint stuff and him getting find his match fee and getting demerit points on there and just that whole that whole media storm around that? Do you reckon that'll be brought up at some point out there? I think it will be, but I don't think it'll be overly effective. Like, I'm not sure Faf will be losing sleep over the. What, what do we call it? Is it officially Mintgate or Lollygate? I think... Uh, ooh, we, probably Mintgate. Mintgate, yeah. yeah. Chewgate. Chewgate. Chewgate, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it'd be losing a lot of sleep of it, over it. And to be honest, it'd be a pretty rubbish sledge from an Australian point of view, I would have thought. All the captains I've seen together, Faf and Smithy, were like old mates, catching up. Yeah. So they shook hands, had the photo done with the cup. And then they started talking about surfing and have you been to the beach yet? And Smithy said, no. Aren't there sharks out there? And Faf <laughs> said, no, no, there's no sharks out there. And then he corrected himself. Only, only the little ones. Well, they, so have, can... they have played in the IPL together. So they have spent you know, six or seven weeks together on the same team. And I think that's probably what the IPL does is they bring these players a lot closer together than they would normally. But then when they get out in the middle, they're not friends. Smith will be ask, asking his fast bowls to come around the wicket and bowl into his ribs and try and bust that finger but you know you're, you're right doc I was actually a little bit surprised myself that just how well they got along Trick mm. and Steve was trying to sell him on drones <laughs> probably no I haven't been to the beach yet today uh, Faf I've been too busy flying my drone over the beach from the hotel room you can my get balcony. yours for two ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> only $2,000 mate do you want to go get one now the only selection story for the pro tiers is whether they go with seven batsmen and four bowlers or they go with their five specials as they've done in the Indian series. Now one man who saw that was Neil Manthorpe who just wanders in. Uh, he's just had a look at the pitch. Manners, before we get your thoughts on uh, which way this, the South Africans will go with their team selection, what have you made of the wicket? It's green, isn't it? <laughs> it looks very lively. There's been a lot of rain in Durban and the ground staff haven't been able to get the covers off as much as they like. They haven't been able to get as much sunshine on it as they would have liked. That's because there hasn't been enough sunshine. So I'm, I think it's going to be um, very interesting. It is quite hard and quite dry, but it's green and there's a lot of grass on it. Depends how much they cut off on it, cut off of it on match day morning. But um, however much they take off it, there's a lot of moisture in there and it's, um, it's going to be bouncy and quick and it's going to seem a lot. Manners, what, what are the South Africans going to do with their team? Are they going to stick with the five bowlers or are they going to bring an extra batter in? 
Like every test team for the last 140 years, they're craving the fourth bowling, fourth seeming option, um, and they've jettisoned the two all-rounders who would have given them that option, Chris Morris and Andila Petlaquaya, and have brought in Vian Mulder, who's only 20 years old, but they clearly want to play him. Um, so he's not been brought in to sample the atmosphere. He's, uh, he's a real option. Um, having said that, uh, again, it depends how it looks tomorrow morning, but... Kishab Maharaj on his home ground will bowl you 60 overs in the test match and he'll bowl them tight. Um, and, you know, he, he um, very, very rarely gets clobbered. So they might decide to go in with the frontline seamers, um, Rabada, Morkel and Philander. Um, and, and because it's so green and, and, and bank on the fact that uh, they'll make early breakthroughs and won't have to bowl 120 overs. If they do have to bowl 120 overs, then they're in trouble. But it's, it's, um, I, I, I'm, my indications are that they'll go with Mulder and de Kock at, at six and seven um, and have that fourth-seeming option. Mulder's got some great numbers. He is only 20 years old, but um, hopefully the <laughs> enthusiasm of youth will carry him through. I'm not sure if you saw any of the footage from the tour game in Benoni, but when the Aussies got wind that he was being selected in that uh, 15-man score for, for the first couple of test matches, Mitchell Stark uh, decided to let him know what it's like, what test cricket's like, and just bounce the bejesus out of him. Yeah, a whole over of bounces, wasn't yeah. it? And what was interesting about that is that um, after the game, he said uh, how excited he was about playing against Australia and said, um, having been up close and personal with them for three days, just showed him what a class act they were. Um, which to me, uh, th- that was the class. Th- they were the class words. The, the class words didn't come from Mitchell Stark. Um, uh, but, you know, he, yeah, sure. Um, he knows that he's, he's going to be intimidated or they're going to try and intimidate him. It's up to him <laughs> to stand up to it, isn't it? You, you know, um, every, every youngster, every, every player, never mind youngster, who makes his debut against Australia pretty much knows what they're in for. Um, so maybe um, Mitchell Stark should have kept it in the bag and given it to him for real. Now, we've, we know the Australian team pretty well, but from a, a South African perspective, what have you made of the Aussies? Well, um, the Marshes came good in, in the Ashes. I mean, there was a feeling months ago that uh, there was um, an over-reliance on Smith and Warner, and when Warner was out of form, there was a, almost an entire reliance on, on Smith. And so there is a feeling that, um, that you know there is the potential for Australia to be uh, 50 for three um, and you know that's what South Africa are, are hoping for that gives them their best chance interestingly um, they have said to the ground staff just give us a good cricket wicket they haven't tried to place orders um, as they did uh, for the India series that backfired so th- that's really interesting and they've actually said that um, they'd be happy if the pitches were, were a bit on the slow side and took a bit of turn um, and, and you know they haven't placed that order but they have said that they wouldn't mind if that was the case because they, they're happy to back Kishav Maharaj, although he's a, a junior compared to Nathan Lyon. They're happy to back, Ma, back Maharaj against Lyon and the seamers against each other, and they feel that they might just possibly have a bit of an edge in the middle order with the batsmen. We've already seen Morno Morkel announce at a time this is going to be his last uh, foray into international cricket. Manners, when it gets to mid-April and this series is finished, how many of more of this South African test team will have played their last test match? That is a possibility, yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole number of players who are, are at that age, that sort of 33, 34, 35 age, where um, there's temptations to, to finish their careers in other forms, less pressurised forms than international cricket, and make a bit more cash. 
you know, you don't earn as much as playing for South Africa as you can do playing in, in, in big bashes and county cricket, that sort of thing. So, you know, there are possibilities. Dale Stane has to be one. Um, he, he needs three more wickets to take the South African record off uh, Sean Pollock. Um, I know that that's not what he's hanging on for, but, you know, if the indications are from Otis Gibson and the selectors that his time is up, then he could happily walk into a, a county deal for a couple of years. Same with Hashim Amla. He's also 34, pushing on 35. They might just walk away from test cricket because I know that they've um, got huge ambitions to, to, to have one more crack at the World Cup. But, um, you know, Vernon Philander's been made uh, county offers as well. So um, JP Dumini's obviously already walked away from the first-class game, the test game. There, there could be, um, it, it could be pretty similar to that great Australian team of the sort of early 2000s when half a dozen <laughs> finish at the same time. You try to replace half the team. Um, I guess it, it depends how, how this series goes, you know. And I think if they do become the first team to beat Australia on South African soil since isolation, then that would be a very high and pleasing note to go out on. And do you think they can do it? <laughs> or do you think they will do it? They can certainly. They certainly can do it, yeah. Um, I was very confident um, a couple of months ago, and then, um, strangely enough, an entirely different team, virtually entirely different team, got belted by India 5-1 in a one-day series, which shouldn't have any... Um, it shouldn't have any uh, bearing at all, should it? It's a completely different team. But... Um, I, I think, actually, Sam, I think they will. I think, I think they will. I think it'll be really incredibly close, and I think they'll need some luck. But, uh, you know, you've got... got Philander is very fresh. Um, Faf Duplessis is far too fresh. He's barely had a hit for six weeks with a broken finger, so he's completely undercooked. But Australia brings out the best in him. All, most of his career-defining performances have been against Australia. And here's the interesting thing. For 20 years, you can count on the fingers of half a hand, how many South Africans have really managed to get under Australia's skin, to really rile them and to annoy them and to put them off their game. Very few. Faf Duplessis one. So, um, you know, he, he does. He, he irritates Australia for some reason. And he's a brilliant captain. He has a galvanising effect on the South African team. Um, and, and I think that provided they don't hit him on that finger in the same place, um, then uh, he's going to have a massive effect. A.B. de Villiers, two things A.B. de Villiers gets out of bed for now these days. One is to win the World Cup. That drives him. And the other is to beat Australia. Um, he's still a, a, a little bit um, uh, perturbed by some of the things that were said and done in the series here four years ago. So he's on a bit of a revenge mission. That's why I think, uh, you know, Morkel, lots of emotion there desperate to win this and the team will be as well he is also a guy that the players will run through you know brick walls for so that's why that's why a lot of fresh players coming back <laughs> it could all backfire couldn't it it could end up going pear-shaped but that's why i think they'll they'll just just win it 2-1 maybe and manners what are you going to be doing here in terms of coverage you'll be on sabc you'll be a radio you'll be broadcast what are you going to be doing writing what have you been doing yeah well um radio i've been doing sabc radio for for far too long and, and TV as well so I'll be doing both of those I'm, I'm the pitch guy now um, so I'll be I have to do a pitch report every morning every so, morning so of the we, test, not just, just the first got the one. expert analysis then <laughs> yeah well I'll tell you what the, the pitch here at Kingsmead can can be very deceptive um, you know you can look at it and go whoa what is that and then it a lot depends on the wind a lot depends on the wind and the tide um, and those are, are things you can look up in the newspaper each morning, but you have to be able to understand 
the tide. Uh, uh, but that famously has has meant a huge a huge difference to whether the ball seems or not. But um, I think this will be really uh, a fast-moving test match, provided it doesn't rain. How about the little cameo from Neil Manthold there? Man, is he? He's the pitch expert, Cal. He must be one of the 80%. <laughs> yeah. He must be among the few. Uh, great to see the great man here on the bank. Um, Interesting comments about Mulder. Yes. Well, Faf did say in his press conference, didn't he, that he was sort of more of that bowling all-round option. Um, and he did kind of hint that they would like to see him in there at some point in the series. So, yeah, might have a debutante tomorrow. Who knows? Would it have been better for Stark just to go really soft on him in the tour game? Nah. And then really give it to him in the test match? Nah. Give it to him early. Let him, give him a taste. Give him a taste? Give him a taste. Okay, well, he, if- he was just one of the three. There's still two more to show him what it's like. Now it's time for play it or leave it. Okay, play it or leave it time. Uh, Callum, you're familiar with this game. Andre, this is your first hit out. The dock. Yep. Are you ready for it? Uh, I'm ready, but I could go out first ball. You just never know. You never never know. All right. First one. Australia's quicks to take more wickets than South Africa's quicks. Callum, are you going to play that or leave that one? It's a great question, Sam. Um, We've spoken a lot about how good these pace attacks are. I think I'm going to have to go the Australians. So you're playing it? I'm playing it just because I think this Australian attack is so good and could possibly eventually be our greatest ever. Ooh. So it would be remiss of me to not pick the Australians, even though I do think the South African attack is so good as well. Just the, it's just the pace attack, Doc. I'm going the South Africans. I think they will find the dominoes within the Australian batting order and there will be more wickets. Wow. Okay, so we've got one each. Here we go. More than 20 wickets to spin. Doc, what do you reckon? Don't think so. I no, think it'll be fast yeah. bowlers. Leave that one. Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. Yeah. As I mentioned, they spinners are going to play a key role, but they may not be the wicket-taking options. All right. Uh, Mornay Morkel's on 294 test wickets. Nathan Lyons on 290. Mornay to get to 300 wickets before Gaz. I'm going to play it. Same thinking as the previous question. I just think the quicks will be more that wicket-taking threat, and I think Mornay will cause a lot of issues this series, and he is going to be so hungry to go out. A winner. Um, so I'm going to give it to Mornay. I'm going to agree with every point that Cal just made, but I'm going to leave it. I think he'll be hungrier. I think the Quicks are going to take more wickets, but I think he's going to fail. And I think Lyon is going to get there first. Well, there you go. It's probably not agreeing with every point that Cal just made, but... Uh... Well, not every. Just, just the reasoning I, okay. I agree with. Yeah. All right. Here's one. Uh, more than seven batting collapses. Doc, you just called this the Australian dominoes. Uh, more than seven batting collapses in the entire series. I'm going to leave that. Less. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can I just clarify as to how you define a batting collapse then? I want to go at least four wickets in a 24-ball period. Good to know. Good to know. I'm going Or something to... like that. You know, you can define it however you want, but, you know. Well, I feel like it's... Everyone knows what a collapse is. Well, I mean, you know, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. Okay. I, I have no real reasoning behind it. All right. My only reasoning behind that would be that the South Africans won't collapse. What about their tail? Ta- the tail can collapse. Four? They can lose their last five wickets for 13 runs and six balls or something. Probably not quite like that, but, it's, you know. Well, two to go. More than two tests going five days. There's only four of them. Can we see more than half the games 
Go the dis- go the distance. Leaving that so quickly. <laughs> that I'm gonna Steve Smith leave that. I'm light savoring it. Yep. And exaggerated leave. Who had the best leave? I always thought Ricky Pony had the best leave. But anyway. Day fours will be a rare sight in this series, I think. Um, Yeah, I'll leave that too as if I was a batsman just not even looking at the bowler. Is that hope for you, Doc? You don't want to be around here for five days? Well, they're in Durban. There's plenty to do in South Africa. And there's days four and five. Manners was just giving a bit of a top-up after his segment on what we could do. There's plenty. Okay. And finally, there's going to be a lot of fire in this series. There's going to be a lot of heat. There's going to be a lot of niggle, sledging, banter. Less than three players breaching the ICC code of conduct. I'm going to play that, Sam. I think this will this series will kind of be akin to uh, the Ashes, uh, the Indian-Australian series last year, where it was more or less do whatever you want. <laughs> There's no whistle. Yeah. The umps will put the whistle away. It's just go for it. It'll take something. It'll have to get physical, I reckon. Before. There might be a yellow card. There might be a yellow card. I doubt it. I think it's just on for young and old. This series is the biggest series this year. This should be the ultimate advertisement for the Test Cricket format. And they should, the umps, the match referees, the ICC, they should just let the boys play. I'm going to play it as well. There will be less than three, but only because I find that those breaches, they're so inconsistent. Look at what Coley does in every single match. I think that there could be plenty more fines going around, but they don't... If each team is being just as hot and aggressive and rough on their opponents as the other team, the umpires, I think, will just let it go and the ICC. Thank you, gents. I hope you enjoyed coming on the episode again. Absolutely. I'm so excited for the series. I cannot even begin to describe how excited I am. I'm so looking forward to three-day test matches. We'll be back after the second test match, but until then, stay logged on to cricket.com.au for all your new scores and video of Australia's Qantas Tour of South Africa. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.